My name is David J. Harris, Jr. Join me and millions of Americans around the country as we embrace liberty and freedom. This is the David J. Harris, Jr. Show. Hello, friends and family from around the country and literally around the world. This is another episode with your host, David J. Harris, Jr. And today, friends, I am so excited to bring this guest on today. He's about to be in the ring in the UFC in Las Vegas this Saturday, March 5th, fighting Colby Covington. There is so much hype, so much drama, and so much behind-the-scenes drama about this fight These two guys used to be friends. They used to be roommates. They used to train together, and now they've got massive beef. We're going to get into that and a lot more. I got to meet my my good friend, Jorge Masvidal, uh, in Las Vegas when our friend Adam Weitzman invited us to go meet with President Trump. Jorge is not ashamed to talk about Trump and why he supports him, and uh, he thinks that Colby... Well, he thinks for Colby, it's just an act. So we're going to get into all of that and then some. But without further ado, my guest, Jorge Masvidal, the king of Miami, my man. How you doing? Good, my brother. How you doing? I'm doing good, my brother. I'm doing good. I know you're in Vegas right now. I saw you post that clip of your uh, hotel room. It's like a mini resort. You got a like a full-size pool in the back, jacuzzi, steam room. I mean, they're treating you well there. Times have changed. I can tell you that much. Um, I thank God for these moments. I uh, I never forget where I started. I was just talking to, to, to some of my team, and um, they've been with me like 70 years, but they weren't with me. I, I've been fighting close now to profession. It's going to be 20 years in a couple months, you know, and, and where I started to where I'm at now, it's a big, uh, big difference to say the least, you know? Yeah, it is. I know we, we talked a little bit about that in, in Las Vegas. And I want to jump into that. Before we get into Kobe, I know you want to go off. I know I got a clip to show you about Kobe and stuff. He's talking trash about you. But before we get into that, let's start at your humble beginnings. Your parents, Cuban immigrants to this country, uh, they fled Cuba. And uh, you started off very humbly in the United States of America. What was early life for you? And does that make you passionate about being pro-American? Makes me very passionate pro-American. So my, my father's from Cuba. My mother's from Peru. They both immigrated to the U.S. Um, and uh, my, my dad escaped uh, the communist regime when he was like 13, 14 years old. Him, his best friend, and his best friend's uncle at the time, they found the tire tractor. They turned it into the raft. They hit the sea. Seven days later, they landed in the Bahamas. And from the Bahamas, he got extradited to the U.S. and and his life started. Um, he moved between U.S. and California. Met my mom around that time, and then um, uh, shortly after meeting my mom, uh, had me. I was about like four years old. My dad got in some big trouble for for some things that he did, and he went away for about twenty years. They gave him. Um, so I, I moved again. I moved to Peru for about like. Uh, and, and this was overnight, you know, because uh, my poor mother um, went from having my dad to not having him at all. So it was tough. things were tough for her, especially as, as like a working woman by herself. She was one of like her only family members. Here. So she sent me to go live with my grandparents in Peru. I lived there about three years. Then I came back to the States and, and things weren't easy in the beginning. You know, I didn't speak English because I had just lost all the English that I had. I was learning the English again. And um, it, it was just different, you know, but I, constantly growing up, hearing it from my mom, hearing it from my dad. 
this is the best country. This is the land of opportunity. This is the place to be in. And when you're a kid and you're like seven, eight years old, you're like, yeah, whatever, you know, freaking just take me to eat ice cream. But as I got older and, and, and I traveled the world more and I heard more from my dad and heard more from my mom, I mean, I stand by. And that's why I was so excited to do this interview more than, than most other interviews because, man, we get to speak freedom here. Ain't nobody censoring yes. you. You're not going to stand for that. And, and me and you had this heart to heart already in Vegas. This is the greatest country in the world, and we can't let people destroy it. We can't let people make us like the rest of the world. And I'm not trying to take a shot at the rest of the world, but their policies, their rules, their, their laws, how they run it, man, that's them. That's cool. But this is America, you know, and, and we can tell that they're trying to destroy us from the infrastructure out. So I just love to be here and just speaking the truth and just, um, I mean, I'm sure I'm doing the interview here. And I'm going to get canceled on Instagram. I'm going to get canceled on Twitter because I did an interview on Fox. And right after that, Instagram was already red flagging me for everything I was doing. They're just itching to kick me out. And it's crazy how Americans are just sitting back because it needs just one voice. But if American people were to get behind them and be like, man, we're not going to let social media, we're not going to let all this big brothering that's happening stand for it. It, it wouldn't. It would just go away. Nobody would be getting censored. But, you know, we're, we're divided. And since we're divided, we're allowing them to conquer yeah, that speaks uh, so much volume, brother. And it's because you have such a platform. I mean, you are the epitome of the American dream, right? Oh, Immigrating, migrating here, your parents migrating here to escape communism. And that's so much of what's actually taught socialism, which will lead to communism in our schools around the country. What would you say to all the young people that are out there that may be watching you right now that have been listening to their college professor or teacher at school slam the United States of America, call us a dirty, nasty, capitalistic country uh, and say that we need to be more like the, wor the rest of the world or we need to be more like socialism where everybody gets uh, you know, an equal outcome? Communism is an experiment that's killed over 200 million people. So you can say what you want about capitalism, you know? Maybe, maybe you know, there's better systems out there that haven't been invented yet. I, I don't know. But as right now, today, I don't know. I can't think of anything better than capitalism. I can't go with something like socialism, communism. Why are we going to give power to anybody? It's we the people, by the people, for the people. And that's how they should be. It shouldn't be 1% controlling the other 99% of that region. No, no, no. It should be we make the rules and policies to get the people where they have to go to represent us. And we're not seeing that anymore. And it's ever so slowly changing. And it's, it, man, it's scary, man. I, uh, <clears throat> growing up, you know, me and horror story movies from my father, still to this day, anything happens that my dad doesn't like, I'm going to get a sermon about it. Him, uh, my, my, basically my other father's rope, Alina Hernandez has been my coach since a kid, escaped communism as well, defected to Chile from Chile, went to Bolivia and from Bolivia, finally made it out to America. So between these two guys, which I live with both of them, they both live with me. Um, that's all I hear is the sermons. Growing up, all I heard was the sermons of the communism, the horror stories, which they make it into a joke or whether it's serious or not. But it, it's it's day and night, and there's not a day where I don't hear about it. You know, Biden passes a new rule, and my dad immediately did the same thing in Cuba. It's crazy. 50 years later, but they're doing it now. So I, I told you, when I used to be a kid hearing this stuff, I'm like, man, you just freaking paranoid ex-communist. My brother, it's never going to happen to this country. I was like 17, 18, 19 growing up. Now I'm like, wow, you were right, man. Slowly but surely, it's it's headed that way, you know? 
It is. It is. And we've got to unite, like you're saying. we got to be aware of what they're trying to do and uh, what you say that they're doing, they are doing little by little by little, bit by bit. It seems like most of the Democrats in office all the way up to the top right now, Joe Biden, are trying to continue to take away our rights, strip our civil liberties and get us programmed to doing it, like wearing masks, get us like to forcing us to get jabbed, uh, to keep jobs. Uh, it's it's not the American way, yet that's what they want us to believe is the new normal. And then stay home because your stimulus check is on the way. So you become dependent on the government. And then all of a sudden the government one day goes, you know what? We're taking that away unless you do this. And then you've already become dependent on that system. You've already become nurtured to sucking off the government's tit. And now when they take that away, what are you going to do? You know, if you're if your livelihood, your foot, everything's coming from it. And it's, I'm not a rocket scientist, man. I'm no genius, but this is just history repeating itself. You know, places like Ukraine, they went through the communism and stuff as well. Yugoslavia, it's not just South America and Cuba. There's horror stories all over the world. Like I said, it's over 200 million souls have been lost to this experiment called communism and socialism. Yes, yes. It's an experiment that's never worked. And there's never been anything that's risen more people out of poverty and been able to give people the ability to be benevolent and generous than capitalism. Uh, and that's what's made this country so great. So you're pro-America, you're against socialism. Uh, you are you are hailed, I think, as Donald Trump's favorite fighter. Number why one. do you think why do you think Donald Trump loves you so much? Be, because you know, maybe a lot of people might in, in, in of the athletes, you know, the fighters. I'm, I'm not talking about like other sports. Yeah, the UFC. Fighters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've gotten to talk with him numerous times and he, he's heard my story from my mouth. He's heard why I'm so involved in this, why I love this country so much. It's not just, I love America. I don't pay taxes or no, it's, it, he, he knows what my lineage is, is coming from. He knows what, since a young, young child I've been hearing and been exposed of from both my parents' side, you know, my, my mom leaving Peru because it wasn't the best place for her either. And just hearing what made that country not so great, the way that the laws work over there, the way that how much taxes they take away from the citizens. And like I said, when you're a kid and you're hearing this, you're like, yeah, whatever, you know, but as I'm getting older, I'm like, oh my gosh, they take 50% of your salary over there. No wonder people don't want to, I wouldn't want to be a fighter if you're taking 50, 60% away from me. That takes my initiative away. Just give me a check, government. Just, I'll just stay home and collect the check. And I think having these hearts to hearts with Trump and, and telling them where I come from, you know, all those times that we've gotten some backstage sign or things like that, I think that's what's led to him liking me so much. Well, I know that he absolutely, that I know that he absolutely loves you. And that's the thing for me too, brother, is I've had a chance to talk with him and have some one-on-ones with him. And when you, when you talk with him, he's very, uh, he's very into what you're saying, right? It's like, what, what's the dialogue when you're talking to Trump? Uh, and I don't know if that was take, did you talk to him when he was the president and, and since he's been president, both sides of that? Two times. Both times. But no, both, both times. When he was president, and then um, the 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 last thing where we got to share some meaningful time, we got to spend over an hour together, was in the broadcasting. We were calling both a fight, and um, he was he was one of the commentators, and and I commentated for about thirty to forty five minutes on air. But all the on off air time that I got to spend with him was invaluable, man. And just a little bit of wisdom and, and advice that he gave me in that little bit of time was like, man, I freaking love this dude, man. You know. Does does he seem like the billionaire playboy and or or the racist, you know, misogynist uh, Nazi that the mainstream media makes him out to be when you have those when you've had to, to have the opportunity of have those conversations with him? I mean, I could definitely see the billionaire playboy, man, because the, the guy did own freaking Miss Universe. So, you know, I'm sure that, you know, 
dude during his time when he was single. He was he was he was having fun, man, getting after. But um, I, I definitely. But during those, but during those conversations. No, man. I no, nah, definitely not, man. Nah, he's, he's very family oriented. He was uh, he most of the time he was talking about his grandkids, showing me things that his grandkids were gonna do and things like that. And um, I I, you know, the the media would love to point that thing racism at him. But when I see the two horses in the race, like Biden, that they made rules to lock people that look like me up, people that look like you up, and for a long time, just because of the crimes they committed, you know, um, uh, my dad served a lot of time just because of Biden's freaking policies that he put yeah. out there, you know. So wow. when when I think about somebody that gives tools to a community, right? If I hate somebody, I'm not, I'm not gonna show you how to fish. You know, I want you to starve and die. Why if Trump hates people like me so much, why did he create so much opportunities for people like me, for Latin, for immigrants to, to do it right? You know, get your paperwork done right and then go out there and make this money, make this American dream happen. Yeah, you got to pay taxes on it, of course, like the rest of us. But he allowed that to happen. You know, it was the least amount of unemployment for Latin people was doing Trump's range. And and where we made some of the biggest jumps in classes were doing Trump's range. So you're going to tell me if this guy is racist? T- tell me why. Tell me how, you know? I just, I, I don't see it. I don't believe it. I never bought into it, you know, just because, not because he could say whatever he wants and they could say whatever he wants, but actions speak louder than words. If he's creating jobs for my people to go and get and get more money than they ever have, how can I call this man on a, uh, a racist person or or, or you know, that he's freaking not allowing us to, to generate income when he is, when he was doing the complete opposite, you know? Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head. Underneath President Trump, the wage gap between, uh, between the black and the white community was the slimmest that had, had been in uh, decades. Uh, there was less black unemployment than there had been in decades. Uh, and same for Hispanic, Latino, uh, Asian. It, it just went on and on and on. Yet they just want to continue to vilify and demonize this guy. But that's what people believe because they believe the mainstream media. What do you? What's your take on on the way the mainstream media operates? I tell you, man, I didn't used to believe it. Like I said, when I was a kid, I'd listen to my dad and I'd be like, "Yeah, sure, buddy. Yeah, everybody's communist." And then he would he would always tell me how they would uh how they could indoctrinate a whole society, right? In in Cuba, there's like two to three channels on 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 the TV, right? Guess who owns all those channels? The government. You know, when you do your research and you see who's mainstream media owned by, who, who owns that, you know, network and this network and that network. And then you find out, man, it's like a couple of families that own all this stuff. You know, maybe you shouldn't even be saying this stuff because who knows if I might make it to the fight or not. You know, it's not that 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 crazy that it's a couple families that are owning these stuff. So, it, you know, it, it, it just it. It's messed up in my opinion, man. I, I see the media and I'm like, okay, this happened. They didn't put it on air. But when Trump was doing certain things, everything was on there. Like, we're not talking about how we're about to get into World War III right now. You know, but anything Trump was doing or even before he came into power was he was going to send us into World War III. I think we were the most peaceful times was when Trump was in power. Why? Because our military is so powerful, yet we weren't looking for no trouble. And everybody knew, hey, stay your lanes. As soon as Trump left, what happened? with uh hong kong and china immediately like days after china said hey it's ours why because biden's not going to do anything about it and now what's russia doing well if china did that why can't we why can't we go and get some uh, a bigger piece of the pie for us as well you know it's just 
it's it's better safe than sorry. And when Trump was in power, man, our military was as strong as ever. I mean, how many how many poor enlisted men that they sent home just because they didn't want to get jabbed up, just to weaken our army, just to destroy our army? And the Democrats are so bright that they said we should send the the unvaccinated to war. You idiots! You guys let them go already. You know, it's, it's fucking like man, it blows yeah. my mind, bro. It just, I I can't believe the level of stupidity at times. You know. I, I hear you. I can't believe it either. They literally, they literally forced out everybody that didn't want to take the jab over their own medical freedom, and then they're saying, "Well, we should enlist all the unvaccinated." It's like you just kicked them out over their freedoms. Now you want them to go fight for you, and that's now not even our war. We should not send any U.S. troops to Ukraine. I don't think we should send one U.S. troops to Ukraine. Send them, send them ammunition, send them uh, uh, artillery, send them uh, uh, drones, send them some equipment. Uh, it would it sure would have been nice to have some of that eighty plus billion dollars that we left in Afghanistan, uh, but you know, hey, Russia saw what we did there—the absolute debacle of Joe Biden uh, and his Afghanistan withdrawal—and he's like, "Well, Ukraine's right next on my list." But uh, yeah, then they want to send the unvaccinated. Just it's it boggles the mind. It yeah, it it definitely makes me go. You know, the, the mess ups are so bad that it does, I, I can't be like, oh, you know, this coincidence. No, this is strategically planned out and planned out. Let, let's empower our our biggest enemies, our biggest threats for like the last since 9-11 or before 9-11. The people that we have like the highest alert for, let's just give them $80 billion worth of our money, our, our tax dollars and crazy type of weaponry just just because I. You're going to tell me it was a hiccup? It was a mess up? No, that was strategically planned. We all know that. I mean, I'm just reiterating what everybody already knows. That was strategically planned, you know? I, I believe I believe the same thing. I don't think it was an accident. Uh, I even, I've even shared the clip where Biden said, I think 10 years ago, he's like, if we did decide to leave Afghanistan, it would take years. We couldn't just leave. He literally said, if we just left, literally we would said, be yeah, leaving all the equipment. Case. We'd create a reinsurgence of ISIS. He knew all that. So the only plausible explanation is exactly what you said, Jorge. It was strategic. Uh, before I get into what's on my shirt and then Colby Covington, I need to do a quick word from my sponsor, Jorge. I'll be right back to you. Friends, if you love the David J. Harris Jr. Show and you love the guests that I bring you, one of the best ways you can do something for me is to support yourself by going over to my friend, my pillow, uh, my pillow's CEO, Mike Lindell. Get over to mypillow.com. He's got a new code called honk. Just honk. The, uh, one of the MPs of Canada said honk is now racist. Honk is hail Hitler. Well, Mike Lindell has the code honk for you to save up to 66%, even 70 on some things. He's got bathrobes. He's got slippers. He's got sheets. I love his mattress topper the most. Get over to MyPillow.com and use that code honk for the best discounts on his site, and he'll know that you heard it here. All right, honk, Jorge. You honk. Got, that's it, baby, all day. I need, I need some pillows, Mike. I'll send you some. I'll give me your address. I'll get you some stuff sent. Yes, sir. I use that code honk all the time. I'll get it. I'll get you some stuff. All right. So let's go. Brandon has become a phrase for those. It started off FJB, you know, the chant at NASCAR, Brandon Brown wins the, the uh, NBC reporter, I believe it was, is interviewing Brandon Brown. She's like, listen to the crowd. And you can hear it really clear. F Joe Biden. And she turns around and says, let's go. Brandon. This has become kind of a mantra for people that want to say F Joe Biden. I don't really cuss like that, but I'll say let's go Brandon all day long. Let me ask you, what does the phrase let's go Brandon mean to you when it comes to this current administration? 
I hate to keep touching on it, but it's just that communist hand over the media. They, she could never say that because who knows? Maybe they, we would have found her in a trunk somewhere. So she she can't say that, right? So she has to immediately say, yeah, it sounds like they're saying like the two are unconfusable. It, it's clear what I'm hearing on the TV. It's clear what she's hearing. But what they're telling her on that earpiece is like, don't you dare say that no matter what, because your job is on that. You better say this and that. And what is that? That is not journalism. That That is not what, what we're supposed to be journalism. They're supposed to be the watchdogs for us and, and, and tell us what's happening and this and that. And then you're going to do it with us and lie in her face. But thank goodness that this moment was captured in history forever. And not just me and you saw it, but millions of people saw it. And, and it's a movement that it is not. It's it's freaking amazing, man, that, that it, 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 it's amazing. And it's not, you know, because it, it also in a way it sucks so much that our journalists have has come to this, you know, that. You know, I mean, and if it would have been the other way, could you imagine if they were saying F Trump, you know, exactly would have been like, oh, yeah, look, everybody's saying yeah. F Trump and this and that. How do you feel about these people saying that? You know, if it would have been like that, they would have put it all over the TV. But because it was Biden and, and they control that, you know, that circle of TV and stuff, we got what we got. You know, I had never thought of it like that, but you're absolutely right. I think that had they been saying F Donald Trump, she probably would have said, oh, they're saying F Donald Trump. She wouldn't have tried to make up or make up something else, but it was because it was Joe Biden. It's because the mainstream media, the majority of them are in the Democrats park pocket. I call them the uh, the propaganda arm of the Democrat Party, just as the KKK was back in the day. Uh, in my book, I, I liken the mainstream media of today to the KKK of yesteryear in that the KKK's goal was to manipulate, dominate and control the people. And they do it by any means necessary. Today, the mainstream media's goal is to manipulate, dominate, and control the people. By any means necessary. And I mean, let's go. Brandon is like a perfect example of it. Like, do they think that we're that, we're, we're, we've been done indoctrinated that they think we're literally sheep? Like, that we're just going to like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to use any common sense. I'm not going to hear what those people actually said. And I'm going to just listen to, the, to this report on what she's telling me. But it, it's just... It's good and bad, you know, it's like a double-sided one because at least I hope a lot of Americans right there and there woke up and said, you know what, maybe everything on the news that they tell us isn't true, you know. Maybe somebody just woke up and at least started to go down that route and then do your own research and homework and, and see where it leads to. Have you had any family or friends that were maybe anti-Trump that have come around to you and said, you know what, Jorge, uh, I don't like what I'm seeing underneath this uh, Joe Biden administration, and I think you were right? Mm, uh, on my family is like a sensitive subject because like I said most of us escaped communism and then some of them went you know out of out of state for college and then got indoctrinated and then three years later we're having like discussions and they're seeing me all over the TV and, and they're getting like degrees in, in these areas and they're like well you know I, you bring up a good point but let me tell you this this and this and I'm like no I, it, it, we don't see eye to eye it sucks that we're family it sucks that we come from people that escape from over there and you could even mm consider the these other thoughts you know because that leads to that you know now they've, they've come around definitely saying it you know but from my family i expected and this is like a two percent of my family that, that thought like this you know um what i do get a lot every day i'm not exaggerating maybe anywhere from like 20 to 30 dms that i'll get from individuals like hey man and, you know and they'll, and they'll like screenshot what they first sent me before like i fucking hate you you fucking trump piece of shit loving motherfucker i hope you die and then like hey i did send that message 
But man, I, I take that back. I wow. see what's going on. I see what you're talking about now. I'm not lying. This happens like, especially when I do a piece like this, the DM just blows up and people are just, I'm, I'm sorry for what I told you, man. You're still my favorite fighter. Because a lot of people would write me like, man, you should be my favorite fighter. But now I think you're the biggest racist, dumbest fucking fighter that I've ever seen in my life. I hope you fucking this and that. And then, you know, eight, nine months later, they're sending me like the sweetest messages ever, you know? Mm. And uh, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, it's, it's uh, I don't know how I feel about it, you know? Well, that speaks volumes. At least it shows that people are waking up. Right. Because I think we all have to unite. If people are apologizing that's to you, the that's, first thing. yeah, that's the first thing. If they're, if they're willing and able, I think that's one of the hardest things for people is to admit they're wrong, especially how emotionally charged people have been because of the mainstream media and the massive onslaught, uh, painting everybody that supported Donald Trump's a racist. I mean, look mm-hmm. at neither of us are white. Yet we'll be called white nationalists and labeled the KKK by every mainstream media news outlet just because we supported Trump, regardless of what our skin color is. They'll still call us that. But we're people that are educated and understand what's going on. And obviously, with your family history, you understand what communism is and how it works. And then you and your family, God bless your, your dad and your other father uh, for, for telling you and seeing these things and saying, you know what? That's what they did back then. That's the same thing they're doing now. That, I think, is what's missing for this generation is they don't have anybody telling them that. And when we're on the subject, my aunt as well, she's uh, my dad's cousin. Um, she tried, so from uh, Havana to, to not, not from, from from Cuba to Guantanamo Bay, it's, because it, if you get there, you could seek asylum, you, you, there's, you know, you could get help and then maybe go to the U.S., but they've rigged that field with uh, mines, right? Mm. And uh, another family member of mine, she's my aunt. Still alive, well, and kicking. She crossed this line, Manfield, and a line mine hit her and destroyed her her left uh, mm. titty, you know. So she lost that in the process. And she's somebody that, you know, knows very well the communist empire and what they're capable of doing and how they would put landmines in it. It's imagine how bad it had to be that they had to put landmines in it because they knew people, all, all these citizens of Cuba were just dying to cross over, get to this American base, and then maybe get a better future. And imagine how bad it is that people know that this field is rigged with mines and they're still willing to risk their life to cross it over to have more opportunity and freedom. So those are the things that I love to bring to light, that I love it that you have me on your platform and I can speak on these things because, you know, maybe you just didn't have the chance never to hear this side of the story and went to college or or wherever it was that that you're from. Or maybe you're you're, you're from Europe somewhere and came to America and, and you have the best you know, views of Cuba and, and communism, but it's not, it's not, you know, because you go on vacation there for like five, six days and you have the time of your life on these poor Cubans backs and, and your dollar and your euro goes a long, long way over there and you can do whatever you want in Cuba. That's awesome. I'm glad you had a good time on, on these people's backs because it's not like that for anybody that lives here unless they're high level ranking communist officials, you know, because it, it's, it's the truth and it's not a lot of people know it. There's the elites and then there's the rest. And that's exactly yep. what it seems like the Democrats all the way up to Joe Biden want to continue to push is their elitism. And then we, just like you said earlier, make us dependent on the government and then they can pretty much control us. There you have socialism. Uh, then you'll, you'll without a doubt have full blown, full blown communism. So, uh, so Colby, uh, let's finally get to this fight, brother. March 6th, this coming Saturday in Las Vegas, a five-round fight, and it's a non-title fight. This is like one of the first times that the UFC has had a non-title fight as the main card for a couple decades. I think it was since like Anderson Silva or maybe McGregor. 
they haven't had they, they normally the main card is a championship fight. This is not a championship fight, but uh, you two are a big deal. This fight is huge. I will be watching it from my theater room at home. Uh, I'm still mending my broken leg. My good friend that I've introduced you to, James Katulis, that has started the Let's Go Brandon coin. The official coin is Let's Go, but the Let's Go Brandon coin, he will be ringside. He told me to tell you that. He will be right there ringside to watch. What is your uh, – uh, what, what's, what's your – what do you want to do? I've, I've heard what you want to do, but it seems like you really want to hurt him. It seems it, it seems like it's more than just, I understand when people are wanting to, you know, hype up a fight, but it really seems like you've got some animosity with Colby. Where, where does that come from? And where does that come from? Let's start there. Um, we, we trained together. Uh, and then we, I used to play a lot of cards at the time in the casino and he used to play a lot of cards. So I'd see him at the casino, you know. And then we started to generate like a friendship outside of the gym and stuff like that, you know. Then um, he broke his hand in a, in a fight and his girl kicked him out of the house that they were living in. So he had like no place to go. Broken hand, can't earn a dollar. I'm already a pro with like 25 something fights. I fought for world titles. He's got like one or two pro fights. He asked me if I could stay with him. I go, sure, man. I got a, I got an extra bedroom. You can stay. Give me like $300 a month and, and we'll make this happen. We're both on that journey. Let's, let's keep chasing, you know. Um, breaks his hand again in like six months later after that. So he's never able to pay me a dime. He's eating off my plate because um, I got food sponsors at the time and I'm able to, to, to help him out, you know. So if I'm able to help somebody, yeah, here, take it, man. So that goes on for some time and I introduce him to my coach as well, which is still my coach this day, which was there when he won uh, a belt against RDA and I was in his corner as well. And they had a handshake deal, same way that I have with my coach, same way a lot of fighters have. We don't, we don't need a pen and paper. We're both men and... I shake your hand. I'm going to give you 5% of what I earn and, and so forth and so forth. So he finally has a chance to do right by my coach and give him the 5% of the money that he earned. How much do you think of that money that he paid? Not a dollar. Zero. $0. He didn't pay him zero? Zero dollars. Didn't pay him anything of that, you know? Uh, this is my coach training him for like, I don't know, four years to get to that point. Driving up to Coconut Creek, taking flights with him to Brazil to train him there, getting him ready for the fights. He was in it and... What, everything that I'm saying, you could fact check it. You could just go online and you could see my coach from the start of his uh, pro career all the way until he fights for that title. My coach is in his corner, helping him out. He's backstage. He's the number one guy for the striking, showing him everything that, that, that he knows about striking to that point and just helping him out. Guess what? He rips off my coach one month, turns into like four, still hasn't paid. Um, so now I'm getting the hint like this guy's not going to pay, man. And really the, the guilt is more on me than anything because I'm the one that brought this charlatan to my coach so um you know at the time i'm not too refined yet and 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 you know i i want to take it to uh to a different avenue i literally want to just get a bat and hit him in the neck with it you know and and call it a day but uh my coach uh talks to me has a heart to heart and he's like don't do that you know and i'll tell you why you're gonna end up fighting this guy one day we'll make a lot of money for it and the world will see you know and he made me promise, and, and promise I did, and now we're just days away from me making this happen, you know. But so I want to get your – go ahead. But do, during that whole time, you know, I I haven't made it public about our problems, and, and I just I, – I don't have a problem with him per se. I just don't F with him at all, you know. I, I don't hang out with him. He's still doing interviews. Just like eight months ago, he was still doing interviews talking about Jorge Masvidal. I was my best friend, this and that. I've already, like, canceled this guy. I know who he is. He could say whatever he wants to the media that we're best friends or not, but I, I already know who he is, so I don't hang out with him. 
under no circumstances I see him, hey, what's up, and go the other way because I just all, all I got is piss and vinegar for this dude, and and I'm just if he breathes wrong, I'm gonna let him have it. So I'm just staying away from him sometime. Um, then I get to see how much of a cheap person he is again because as soon as he has a chance to stab me in the back and just start talking whatever crap he can to 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 get some pieces of silver, he does it. Starts talking about my kids, starts talking about my religion, my education, all these things where uh, you know if. If somebody's talking about my technique or that I'm a shit fighter, that I got this or I got that in a fight, I don't care. I don't take it personal. But when you're talking about like uh, my kids and stuff, my my ex-wife, all these things, I'm like, hey, there's no need for that. Well, supposedly, because I'm a man, he's not, but supposedly two men are going to get in this cage and fight. There's no need to talk about women, children, religion, all these things. But this individual does. So um, that's nothing personal in this business for me. Since I signed up at the young age of 18, I signed that contract. I knew that I would never take nothing personal because I got to keep all my emotions in check. But when I tell you this is the closest it gets to personal, this is pretty much it. This guy slept on my couch in my house for about nine months. And, uh, you know, it's crazy what somebody do for a couple pieces of silver, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds, uh, sounds like a betrayal. sounds like a Judas type of betrayal. Uh, and there's, there's people out there, you know, and I'm just, I'm just saying what it sounds like to me. You're, you're the one obviously lived through that. Uh, I'd like to get your reaction to this clip of Colby talking about you. Here is what he said about you. Roll it. Yeah, March 5th. It's a career-ending fight for Jorge Masvidal. He's talked a big game, Jesse, to the media. And just like Joe Biden, they talk a big game, but they don't walk a big game. And and March 5th on pay-per-view, I'm going to expose journeyman Jorge Masvidal in front of the world. (laughs) Oh, he called you a journeyman. (laughs) Journeyman. I mean, he could, he could say whatever he wants of me. I, I don't really care, you know, because after I break his face and it's like, man, people will be like, yeah, but I thought you said that guy's a journeyman and a bum and he just broke your eye orbital and your upper palate. What's the problem here, Kobe, you know? So I don't, you know, I don't take anything that he says anything serious because this, this guy just sits around with this guy, uh, Dosh Darnin, and they just write crap and they just throw shit on the wall and see what sticks, you know? So hmm. he's attacked. Another thing that I, that I can't stand is like, if you win a world championship, I'm not going to come at you and be like, man, I would kick David Harrison's ass on Twitter and be like, man, I would kick this guy's ass and try to steal from you, shine. No, no, no. I'll create my own shine. I go out there and win fights. I don't have to demote people. So he does that with women. He's done that with Amanda Nunez numerous times with Joanna, another champion at 115 pounds. It's like it, it doesn't end. Anybody he could take a stab at and everyone he does, you know, constantly attacking women for what, you know? Are you going to be the first UFC fighter that... uh has a sex change and goes and fights women and you're building up the pay-per-view because I, I don't get it. Why are you constantly attacking women? It, it makes no sense. You're not competing against women, yet you're attacking them, attacking them, attacking them. For what, man? What, what's the long play here? You're, you're, you're going to have that sex change, maybe. That, that's what it is. So I, I just, I don't, I don't get how this guy works, man. I, um, it's not something that, that on any level I agree with. I don't believe in that type of marketing. So he himself, yeah, I can't stand him from all the reasons I stated but more importantly, why this fight is so important to me is for, in my sport, I don't want this crap. And there's a lot of fighters of us that don't want this crap. It, it, this sport used to be, especially if you follow it, you should be a lot about respect. Yeah, we're going to beat the crap out of each other, but there's not saying that we're enemies for life or nothing like that. We got to talk about each other's beliefs or women or children, you know. I don't want the younger generations that are growing up watching this thinking that this is how you have to market yourself to earn a pay-per-view mm. because you don't. And I am living proof of it because this guy's the worst selling pay-per-view guy that we've had in, in the UFC, selling like 300,000 pay-per-views when he headlines. 
to me, one of the biggest pay-per-view selling artists. And, and I don't have to do all that. I don't have to talk about people's wives, children, kids, religion. I don't, I don't have to do that. I, maybe I don't like the person. I'm going to come right at the person, you know. But you don't have to do that style of marketing to get to the next level. On and, and March 5th, when I wire his mouth shut for like a good experience, a good extended period of time, um, I hope that shows to the younger generations, the six, seven, eight, nine-year-olds, all the way up to whatever age, they see it like, yeah, you're right. I don't have to do that style of marketing. I, I could just keep the respect in the sport because just, yeah, we're going to beat the crap out of each other. But there is a lot of respect in the sport. I know what a lot of these guys are going through. It's a very similar grind to me. So th there's a lot of unwritten, unspoken respect for each other and, and admiration. With, with this guy's style of, of everything, you know, just like his last fight, he kept talking about, I'll never shake Usman's hand. I'll never shake Usman's hand. He's a piece of crap. He's his dad's this, his mom's that, saying everything that he could about Usman. And uh, and then as soon as the fight's over, runs over, shakes his hand and goes, hey, you know, it's just business. Nothing personal, man. It's just business, man. Uh, I, I love you. Like, what? <laughs> you can't, you know. You can't yeah, it's a little know. too personal, it seems like. I know uh, I was listening to Joe Rogan talk about you, and he said he loves you as a fighter. He says you're one of the most uh, clever fighters that he's seen uh, with ma massive knockout power, very smart. Um, but he also talked about your class. He said you've got – you are a very classy individual. Uh, after your, your Usman fight, when uh, when you suffered a knockout, you even you know honored the punch that hit you, that caught you. Yeah. Uh, and he said, he said you were classy. Even in the even in that moment of defeat, you were you still had class. So I think that that's exactly what this sport needs. Uh, and I know that Colby's talked about that he was uh, looking to get cut from the UFC, and so he's created this character. But you're right; it's what the kids are seeing, right? The kids are seeing and, and, that, what, and that's another what it may that's take. A pity story: he, the UFC was whether they were going to cut him. That's a pity story. He's just really that up like, yeah, man. He's he, now he's trying to get like, oh, please feel bad for me, like. No, bro. Nobody still feels bad for you. And at the end of the day, this is what he's gonna say. Like every every nation I insulted, every woman I insulted, it's only because I was gonna lose my job. So wait. So you insulted a whole nation, a third world country like Brazil, called yeah. them filthy animals and all these things because your your paycheck was on the line. No, you mm. know what that means is that your style is not appreciated. Nobody likes your style. Maybe spend more time in the gym, less on Twitter. Make yourself fan friendly by actually being action and, and coming to fight. You know. Um, people don't, this is what people do when it comes to him. People don't talk about his fights. Did you see his last performance, man? Wow, that was freaking nuts. No, people don't do that. What they say is, did you hear what Kobe just said about so-and-so? Man, he's so crazy. He's, that's what he generates. And I don't want younger fighters, especially the generations up and coming, thinking that's any way to market yourself. No, the way you market yourself is with these bad boys right here. You go out there and you make people talk about your performance. Not about what you freaking posted on a, on a picture, on a caption, or what you said about some women that you're never going to fight against. It, it, it blow, it's crazy. I mean, it's just, it's like twilight moment for me every time that anybody even gives them attention for that type of stuff, you know, especially in the sport, you know? Wow. Well, that's the first that I've heard, because I even heard Joe Rogan again say that I think Colby shared it on the Candace show, right? When he started wearing the Trump hat and Candace Owens had him on the show and he talked about that UFC was going to cut him and that's why he created this character. So you're saying all that was just made up too? I was still, we, we were still like, he hadn't ripped off my coaching. This is when he fought Damien Maia and he was creating like this character and he would like ask me like, what do you think about this? And I'm like, bro, you're overdoing it. Like, and he used to hate my feedback because everybody was being a yes man time. Yes. I'm like, you're overdoing it, bro. Just knock somebody out. You don't got to do all that. 
man, but I'm not a striker like you. I'm like, no, but you can take somebody down and elbow them to death and make it look brutal. And people talk about you. You don't, you know, UFC's going to cut me. And that's another, I was there when he started formulating the whole Trump thing, you know, when he was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go with Trump and this and that. You know why? Because Trump was creating so much attention. You know, people hated him. People loved him. And he just wanted to get attached to that whole hate thing. But you ask Kobe, what's something that Trump did in those four years of office that, that, you know, you really side with or don't. And He's going to have to text somebody and get an answer, you know, or if his dude isn't right next to him, giving him some type of feedback, he's he's not going to know really what to tell you. And he'll sit there with a stupid book, you know, and like act like he's reading whatever book he's reading. Well, I don't mean to call it whatever book he has stupid, but he, he'll act like he's reading some type of book. You ask him about that book, he couldn't tell you nothing either, you know, and that's what he already programmed, the three lines that he read on the damn page, and that's it, you know. Guy knows nothing about politics. I'd be surprised if he even voted or if he registered himself to vote, you know. Wow, that's pretty bold uh, to to be to be that if if that's you know I mean I, I believe what you're saying but uh, that's pretty bold of him to just kind of create that character out of thin air uh, again apparently it's working for him at least he's, he's got this fight with you I'm sure it's, he's going to get paid but uh, he's going to have to meet your fists he's going to have to meet your uh, uh, your experience and your technique and that will that will show it all uh, I'm, I'm a numbers guy so. When you go, it's working for him. I go, man, but on what level? Because he's not selling pay-per-views. You know, just like mm. uh, that other actress, Jake Paul, another guy that's just talking crap about everybody else, but his pay-per-view numbers come out. 65,000, 70,000 pay-per-views. Like, so wait up. All that trash talking you did, all that trolling you did for that, because people really don't care for it. You know, people want to see violence and fights. People are going to pay to see Tyson Fury and Wilder because yeah, these guys talk to each other in, in, in a very stern way and stuff, but when they get in that ring, they're gonna give us our money's worth. They're gonna go for the death blow on each other. And that's what we wanna see. That that's why people tune into the sport. People don't tune into the sport for the novelties and the drama and what I'm eating and stuff. No, no, no. People just tune into the violence that I could bring, the 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 master class that I could bring, the techniques, the the insane cardio, the the all the different aspects of fighting. This, it, it, it's proven it in more and more. And I'm glad that, you know, the numbers will speak. He's one of the worst selling pay-per-view guys of ever. And that's why the UFC doesn't even give him pay-per-views. They just give him like a set fee because he doesn't sell no pay-per-views. So they're like, we're not even going to give you pay-per-view, bro. You're a bum. Guess who's getting pay-per-view on this fight? This guy right here. <laughs> you brought up Jake Paul. Would you fight Jake if he uh, tried to fight you? If he tried to say, let's keep it stand up? Like if you tried to fight me on the street and stuff? Well, no, like in the ring. If if he had a pay per view, I think his last pay per view did pretty well. Uh, if no. he if he offered to fight you pay per view, stand up only, knuckles his last only. Last pay per view with Woodley. Yeah. Did seventy thousand buys? No, the the one before that, Woodley was uh, Woodley seemed like it was pretty shy. But um, who do who do he fight before that? Um, he fought Woodley twice, back to back. It was back to back. He was going to fight Tyson's Fury's brother, and uh, I, I I don't know what happened to Tyson's brother. So Woodley stepped in like that's I right, know, 10 days notice, something like that, you know. So, yeah, we could factor that into the equation of pay-per-views, but you, you didn't even break 100,000. Like, man, I must suck all that work and all that clowning you do and talking about people and this and that. To, and then he I am set up like, oh, I could write a $50 million check for so-and-so, but they don't want to find me. Like, oh, you don't have a pot to piss in. Calm down. If this guy was really... It's a simple equation. You, I, I, once again, math is the best way to go. You really think this guy sells pay-per-views like that? I know this guy by the name of Mayweather, right? 
the collects like a hundred million dollars every time he steps in the boxing. If Mayweather thought that guy would generate him anywhere near that type of pay-per-view, Mayweather would have already been broken his face like he did to his brother. He would have gone and collected his quick hundred million, done a three-week training camp for this actress and done it. But they ran the numbers on that guy just like the UFC's ran the numbers on him, just like I ran the numbers. You don't sell that, man. I, I was there in Tampa because I had two friends on it. I had Frank Gore and I had Tyron Woodley competing on the card where Jake Paul fought. He had a street team of people giving out the tickets for free the day of the fight. That's how bad and undersold it is. Was there a lot of celebrities there? Yeah, man, because he's giving out the tickets to all the celebrities that he can and this and that. But actual yeah. people like paying to show up out of their own hard-earned money? No, man. So when when we talk about me fighting Jake, it's like I signed him to the sport to do thing, two things. Fight the best in the world, which I've consistently done, or get in fights and make me a lot of money so I can take care of me and mine for the rest of my life and theirs. He brings me to the table, you know? But when I'm done with the UFC and I'm like, you know, in a bingo hall or something and I need some money because I spent it all on gambling, yeah, I'll, I'll call up this chump and beat his ass. <laughs> all right. Well, I want to get to, uh, I got one more question for you, but I also I also have a message from James Katulis, the founder of the Let's Go branded coin. The, the ticker for that is Let's Go. Uh, he says that he's got 250 billion coins for you if you win the fight. All he wants you to do if you win is just throw out a let's go Brandon or something after you win and they're giving you the belt. But uh, that could be worth some it, massive coin. I don't know what you're making it, on the fight. But if this coin if this coin starts to grow and I know what they're doing behind the scenes, 250 billion coins could be a lot of money. That could be a nice extra payday. You tell him, man, it's crazy because we we're going to do something already without getting those coins like I you know and like I said I feel like the let's go Brandon movement is a good way to say fuck you communism fuck you mm. powers that be fuck you people that control us so we're already going to do something of that nature you know but I'll still take the coins all right yeah they're, they're, right. they're yours you they're know? yours um, and you know what I really love about this um you know you know in Canada how, how citizens of Canada felt some type of way sending money to the truckers and their bank accounts got frozen and seized yep so um Hearing what Let's Go Brandon Coin has done to help out numerous people that have been affected by this thing and in a way that the government can't touch that crypto and they still got that money to the people that need it the most. All the people in the medical field that didn't want to get jabbed, all the blue collar workers that didn't want to get jabbed and they're helping them out like that. That's what really made me go, man, you're, you're awesome. Because he did make a lot of coin with, with his coin, you know, but that, he, that he's actually trying to help people with it because it kind of started like a meme coin. But it grew into something like special where, man, yeah. this guy's actually with that money, helping out the people that have been most affected. They think just like me and you, like, I'm not going to get jabbed up for what? There's not enough research on this, not enough data. I'm not going to have my kids get jabbed up. This is crazy. I'm not I'm not definitely not gambling with my kids. Like if it's a point zero one chance percent that something can happen to my kids, I'm not going to gamble on it. You know, mm -hmm. and I love it that, man, this guy's coming in and has donated so much funds to all those people that have been affected by these fucking ridiculous tyrant mandates that Biden's been passing. Yes, he has, and he's going to continue to. He's got plans in place to help the truckers, the U.S. convoy. They're helping that, and what you said, you hit the nail on the head again. Uh, it bypasses the ability for banks to try to shut down or GoFundMe to try to shut down aid that's going to these truckers or that's going to these doctors or nurses, individuals that have been displaced because of their medical freedom. So that's the It's ticker. on the blockchain. It's on the blockchain. You can't lie to the blockchain, you know? You, you can't, can't lie to you it. Know, you can't do that ballot switching crap, you know, that they be doing. <laughs> hey, exactly. We need our voting on the blockchain. I wouldn't mind. Yes. Well, $250 billion. Let's go. 
coins to you. That's the Let's Go Brandon coin. So it's awesome to hear. I know you had and a chance to talk you, with James. I'm going to go to the, with those same coins. I'm going to give right back to all the people that have been affected in the medical and the blue collar workers that didn't want to get jabbed up because I, I'm, I'm lucky and I'm blessed that I'm an athlete that I, during Corona is when I've made some of the biggest strides in my career money-wise. And um, come this Saturday, I'm going to make several millions and millions of dollars. And um, not everybody's in my position. And I know that I understand that. And, and when I look at my brothers and sisters, just like I look at you, I look at somebody else. And I'm like, why isn't everybody in this position? You know, I get it not to make millions or something, but everybody should be in a position to feed their family, to create a welfare, a, a good life for their family. And it, and it shouldn't be because I didn't want to get jabbed up and, and play with my life. That, that that shouldn't be. It's our body, our choice, as they say. But it's clearly not. You know, it's their choice. And you better just shut the fuck up and do what they say. Yeah. And that's that's exactly everything that led the Let's Go Brandon coin is against. It's why I love it so much as well. It's why I got a lot of the tokens as well. But uh, so last thing, Jorge, I know one of the other things that we really connected on in Vegas when I had a chance to talk with you a little bit was on your faith. And you, 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 you're a believer. You, yes, you are a believer. Talk it, talk unabashedly as much as you want on what faith in God and belief in in who Jesus is. What that faith means to you? Um, uh, I made a promise to God a long time ago, long, long time ago. I was about sixteen years old. I, uh, I didn't like my surroundings. I didn't, um, I didn't like where where I was looking to the future and like seeing friends, family members. Uh, you know, numerous things where I was like, man, I, I don't know, you know, and, and like I said, my dad's been um, in the system since I was about like five years old. So around 13 years old is when I started visiting him. And thank God, because he always like guided me like, hey, don't do this. I know you can get some quick money like that. But if I was you, I, I wouldn't do that because this is where you end up. Mm. So I, I, I had a lot of direction and didn't, you know, because I was also on, on the streets a lot of times by myself and stuff. And. I, like at the age of 16, the, 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 I wasn't in a good place, to tell you the truth. Without getting into too much detail, I was I was uh, in between doing a lot of bad things to make a living for me and my mother and then hearing my dad and, and where I wanted to go with my future. So I I got down on my knees. I prayed hard to God. I had just uh, picked up like a summer gig enough to, to I worked for like uh, three months straight and like telemarketing like 9 a.m. to like 10 p.m to save these paychecks so I could go pay for the gyms and then have like enough money to live. And um, maybe I saved up, I don't know, like $2,500, something like that. And then I was coming back down to Miami. So I had the, the gym memberships paid out and the car that I had just broke. I just bought in this car, like, I don't know, a week ago and it just broke down. And I had like a four hour drive from like around the Tampa area down to Miami. And I was like, man, it's, it's looking like it's not in the plans. I remember getting down on my knees, praying to God, telling him, I don't like my surroundings. I don't like where I'm headed. Help me. I need more than your help. I need you to just come in here and bless me on this journey and on every platform. Every time I get the microphone, I will always tell everybody where I get all my swag from, all the style from, all the speed, the power, and everything that you bless me. I will always tell everybody. And that's why in every interview that I've ever had, I've always given thanks to my number one sponsor, God Almighty, Jesus Christ. And nothing has changed since then. I just got more money now so I could just show people more. Man, I didn't have nothing at one point, and I got more than enough. So I just thank God always for that. Um, I said the prayer. I freaking uh, I still couldn't get the car started. So I called somebody, and that somebody knew somebody, and they were like, for $20, man, this guy will come and fix your car. I'm like, whatever, man. I'm $20, somebody's going to fix my car. Yeah, sure, have him come. And sure enough, this person fixed my car for like $20. Somehow I got it started. I got to Miami and began my journey as a pro shortly after, and... It's it's been a 
uh, lots of ups and downs, but I'll never complain. I never would ask to change my life. I love where God's put me in every situation to prepare me for the next situation. So I stand here firmly and tell you, I believe in God Almighty. It's everything. I'm not asking anybody watching this to come give me donations at my church or nothing. I'm just telling you yourself, go investigate, go research, and Jesus is there, man. And if you need him, call on his name. My brother, that's, that's, we, we connected over that. I remember you sharing that story with me. And uh, I too uh, am somebody that has fallen uh, and that has uh, made some really bad decisions. But when I took the time to stop and pray and, his, and, and listen to God, I heard him direct my path. Uh, and he's directed me to where I'm getting to interview individuals like you fighting the UFC this Saturday. Uh, I'm interviewing President Donald Trump next, this coming Monday. Uh, so it's like, you know, Tell when you, say, when you up, just, I will, I will for sure. I will. When, uh, when you just listen to God, when you stop and cancel out all the noise and you just know that God is good, he believes in you, he loves you, and you just pray, it's amazing what'll happen. And I think our lives are miracles to show and prove what God can do with a life that just says yes. Yes, brother. Amen. I am living testament of the American dream. I'm living testament that God could fix everything, man. God could, God could align you just right, man. You got to just put the phone down getting some nature and direct your energy, your hundred percent of your energy towards that greatness. So good, my brother. Well, I am so excited to watch you this Saturday. I'm going to have our family over. We're going to have you on the big screen. I got like 140 inch in my theater room. We'll be watching it. I wish I was sidelined, but you know, with this broken leg, I just can't make it. Next one. But, next uh, one, Jorge, I just want to pray for you too, man. I just feel like God saying pray for you, father. I just pray right now for my brother, Jorge. I pray for his peace. I pray that his rest would be deep, uh, that, that you would speak to him even when he's sleeping, that he'd wake up with dreams of things that you are speaking to him. Father, I thank you for this fight this weekend. And uh, I speak beyond the fight. I see that what you're doing, you're elevating his voice to a generation to, that needs to hear what you've placed in his heart. That Father, all this that he's doing with the UFC and all these fights, it's just to expand the stage for him to stand on, to be able to present the message that you've placed in his heart. So God, I just pray you'd continue to fan the flames of that message, fan the flames of what you're doing in his heart. I speak blessing and peace and rest on his family, on his kids, on his trainer, uh, on, on his fathers, his, his aunt, everybody that he's talked about, all of his family, I just speak favor and blessing. And I pray you'd continue to amplify Jorge's voice and give him favor this Saturday night too, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. My brother, so good, we gotta, man. We got to so do good. one of these in person, man. You tell me when I'm going to fly out over there. I got to go in person, man. We got to do the next one in person, my brother. All right. We'll do it. That sounds yes, good. Sir. That sounds good. Well, I'll be watching this Saturday. Don't forget, if you can, shout out letsgobrandon.com or Let's Go Brandon Coin. Get you those coins, son. They're there for you. Get them. I know yeah. you're going to get this fight. That's the only way to strike back against the empire, man. Let's yes, go it is. Brandon. Yes, it is. All day. All right, Jorge, I will uh, I will be watching, and I'll, I'll talk to you afterwards. I'd love to do another sure. one of these afterwards, but looking forward. The next one, we'll do it in person, all right? God bless my brother. All right. God bless you. 
Friends, if you love this show, please share this with like 25 friends, at least 50 friends. Share with them exactly what Jorge had to say. He shared so much in this interview about who he is, about why he believes what he believes, and went a lot farther, a lot longer than about, uh, it was a lot more than just Colby. But uh, tune in this Saturday night, March 5th, to watch Jorge Masvidal take on Colby Covington, and let's see who comes out on top. My money is on Jorge and those Let's Go Brandon coins. If you're interested in those Let's Go Brandon coins, get to letsgobrandon.com to check out how you can get some for yourself. I've got some, and like Jorge said, what they're doing with this coin, it's not a flash-in-the-pan thing. They're going to be doing some amazing things to support the truckers, to support those that have been displaced because of their medical freedoms. It's a meme token that is a message. It's a message, and it's all about fighting tyranny, fighting communism, and freedom of speech. So check that out at letsgobrandon.com. Write that down. It's really hard. Let'sgobrandon.com. So please share this with like 25, 50 friends. Make sure you're tuning into the fight. And don't forget, get over to MyPillow.com and use that code HONK. Mike is doing a lot to also support the truckers and the convoy. Use that code HONK and he'll know that you heard it here. God bless you all. Have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. My name is David J. Harris, Jr., Join me and millions of Americans around the country as we embrace liberty and freedom. This is the David J. Harris Jr. Show.